You're listening to the Golden Edge Podcast, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your hosts, David Shane and Ben Goats. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about off-season hockey. I am Ben Goats, your Golden Knights Review-Journal beat writer. Joining me on the other line, we brought him back for at least one more week. Uh, is my colleague and now sports betting reporter, David Shane. Dave, uh, how's that intro feel? Eh, a little awkward, you know, still watching playoff hockey. I can't completely let this go, you know, so eh, we'll, we'll, we'll hang on for, for another week. We'll, we'll talk some hockey and uh, see what we can see what we can do about it. Entertaining the uh, listeners here. There you go. A lot of exciting playoff hockey. Uh, going on, we may, as we're recording this right now, be watching Jared Gallant in the New York Rangers' last gasp against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon, and they're trailing after one period. We'll see what happens there. But uh, we obviously had to bring back uh, Dave on to this week's show because he's still breaking news out here left and right. So we're going to get into his conversation with Golden Knights owner Bill Foley. We'll get into kind of some uh, continued fallout for, from the Golden Knights offseason and some things that are still uh, up in the air uh, this episode as we keep you updated on everything that's going on with the hockey team. But before we do all that, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos STN Sports. Uh, we are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. We still have stories basically uh, every day all the way through uh, this week, if you guys still need your hockey fix, even though the Knights are no longer playing, uh, and we are also presented by Blue Wire. Plus, of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, uh, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it to leave Dave some nice comments before he eventually switches beats forever. Um, but I want to start uh, there, Dave, because before you leave us for your new gig at the paper, you did get an exclusive interview with Golden Knights Bill Foley last week, which was uh, pretty critical. He did confirm on the record that general manager Kelly McCrimmon is a coming back next season. Uh, however, he also kind of like put a, a twist on it because Bill Foley in that same interview uh, said it. I'm quoting here from your piece. The people can read at ReviewJournal.com. I'm going to be a bit more proactive than I have been. I've always been invited to all the meetings. They take my input, but I try and stand aside when everyone is convinced something needs to be done. This time, after all these years, I've got a few specific ideas of things that I believe need to be accomplished. If I'm being very transparent, uh, I'm going to be active. And I'm kind of explaining a little bit what he's looking to change uh, in his heading into his sixth season. Of owning an NHL team, Foley mentioned that he thinks the Knights' kind of constant, you know, roster machinations and changeover uh, the last few years have kind of eroded the team's identity and personality a little bit. It sounds like he wants to be more kind of calculated in how the team operates rather than kind of constantly being aggressive like they certainly have been their past couple off seasons. Uh, Dave, what did you think of kind of uh, Foley's new approach that he laid out to you and? His impetus behind it. I think the impetus behind it is kind of seeing a lot of the guys that he really liked that he felt were core players that were 
you know, important pieces to the culture, really, you know, guys that, you know, were big in the locker room, uh, respected by other teammates. And, and those were the players that were sacrificed for salary cap reasons for, you know, guys like Alex Petrangelo uh, to be able to make a trade for a guy like Jack Eichel. Uh, all those sorts of things. Like, you know, I just think there was maybe a limit, so to speak, for, for Bill Foley that this year he saw, I think, that they they maybe went a little too far. They got away from what made them successful. They got away from really, you know, that culture and, and that environment that they established early on that led to so much success. Like, I mean, it's not their fault. It's not like it's just natural. That's what happens when when you bring in a whole lot of new people, and those new people are the the high higher paid guys that naturally become leaders. They 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 come with different leadership traits, with different ideas that you know maybe they weren't here, and, and what they're preaching isn't the foundation of this team. And it's not that it's wrong. It's not that it's bad. It's just different. And when you have enough new voices, you're naturally just going to kind of get away from it. And, you know, I think Jonathan Marcheseau, at least for, for himself, not surprisingly said, you know, maybe it's on, you know, a guy like him that maybe, you know, he let it slip uh, that they got away from, from some of that culture, that hardworking, resilient, you know, relentless sort of attitude you know, that that everybody came to know early on. I think Bill Foley is very in tune with sort of, you know, the fan base and the pulse, sort of the vibe around everything. And I think as he was watching and as they as they missed the playoffs and as, you know, players came out at the end of the year and talked about, you know, the injuries sort of robbed them of leadership, that they just didn't have those glue guys, those secondary leaders you know, in the locker room, like maybe they had in the past. And, and so I, I think, I think there's sort of a general consensus. If you put what Bill Foley said together with Kelly McCrimmon that, okay, they've, they've made all their moves. They've done all of the the stuff, like the, all the ingredients are in the stew, you know, like now they've just got to kind of let it cook and, you know, trim a little bit around the salary cap and, and do whatever. But I think they just feel like, okay, all the major surgery, the big moves, the big game hunting that they've done in the past, that, that okay, they're, they're beyond that now. It's back to sort of establishing that culture and foundation, you know, that they had early on. Yeah, it'd obviously be very difficult for them to even go big game hunting anymore with their salary cap restraints. But yeah, when you mentioned kind of the leadership that's walked out of the locker room or the secondary leadership, obviously guys like Nate Schmidt, who you already mentioned, uh, Dick Holden's really popular guy in the locker room, Ryan Reeves, who, you know, saw pregame on ESPN was, you know, reading out the Rangers starting lineup. Uh, but the guy that really stands out, I think when you look at Bill Foley's comments is of course, none other than one Mark Andre flurry because Foley was talking about, you know, I, he tries to stand aside when every, everyone is convinced something needs to be done, but now he's going to be active. Well, you you know, kind of compare and contrast that from what he said uh, from when Fleury was traded. And this is an interview with, you did with him uh, right after Marc-Andre Fleury got traded to Chicago. Uh, Foley said, I'm not okay with it, but I accept it. 
Uh, the scouts and Kelly and George McPhee felt like we just had to get some cap space. We had to get some room. I finally capitulated. I say, I said, okay, I understand. I get it. So basically, we have a quote from Bill Foley last offseason saying, I got talked into trading, you know, the most popular player on our team, a guy who, you know, allegedly he had promised would remain a Golden Knight for the rest of his career versus now he's saying, now I'm not just going to listen in on these meetings and kind of go with the consensus. I'm going to uh, be active. I have to think that the flurry trade, how it went down, how it was kind of perceived happened at least publicly and maybe potentially, obviously, how the Golden Knights goaltending situation then played out this year. They've also played, you know, a major probably role in Bill Foley's attitude, maybe heading into this offseason. Yeah, that may have been, excuse me, that may have been the last straw, at least in terms of, you know, I'll use his words, sort of the machinations, you know, that that they've had. I think I think that one really hit him hard. And I think watching the goaltending struggle this year. Uh, and then watching Marc-Andre Fleury, at least for a stretch, in Chicago play pretty well, beat the Knights you know, here at T-Mobile 2-1, get traded to Minnesota, obviously win the starting job for the playoffs there in a dogfight with St. Louis in the first round. But yeah, I, I just think, I, I said this on a radio show, so it's only fair for me to like bring it up or say it here. I didn't press him specifically on Marc-Andre Fleury. As he's talking about ideas and things that he wants done, and it's in the backdrop of whatever was going on with Robin Leonard, like the last couple weeks of the season, like, yeah, naturally, my mind immediately goes to Marc-Andre Fleury and like, oh, like I think Bill Foley sort of referring to you know, the offseason when Fleury is a unrestricted free agent that I think he would clearly like to go after. Now, look, I don't know. I'm putting words in his mouth. Again, I did not press him on that. Maybe I could have or should have as a reporter. There's a little more to that if if you know the conversation. And, like, I won't get into that too much. But, uh, yeah, I, I think everything, if not his thoughts for the future, played into all this and in, in the conversation and his comments. I think his thoughts about the past and the offseason and how that all went about, I think still we're not sitting well with him, you know, almost a year later. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Yeah, so now it gets into kind of the interesting, you know, next question as you kind of bring that up and discuss, you know, maybe what he would or would not like to do at the goaltending position this offseason. Obviously, it's a little bit speculative, but, you know, owners getting saying they're going to be more involved is always a kind of tricky thing. Because on one hand, I think you hit the nail on the head where I think Bill Foley, much more than even Pete DeBoer or Kelly McCrimmon kind of at their exit interviews with the media last week, I think fully struck a more, um, I don't know if acceptable is the right word, but he, he struck a tone that I think fans will appreciate 
more. Maybe that's the best way to put it. I think he echoed a lot of the um, kind of concerns or thoughts of fans when he brought up, you know, the identity, the fact that he felt the team maybe lost some personality that, you know, he wasn't sure if all these kind of machinations, as you put it, um, got them end result better place where I think Pete DeBoer and Kelly McCrimmon will kind of acknowledging some of those other parts of it were kind of more committed to, you know, bringing up the injuries and talking about the injuries as a reason why the Knights uh, didn't make the playoffs this season. Obviously both views are valid, but like I said, I think fans were so beaten down by, you know, the injury talk that by, you know, the end of the season, the postseason exit interviews, they just kind of wanted to hear a different tune, whether that was fair or not. And in, in a lot of ways it probably wasn't, but there's also the fact that obviously, you know, sometimes owners, obviously Bill Foley is a very successful businessman, but he does not know, you know, how to uh, pick out which prospect uh, in, you know, this year's upcoming draft from the Ontario hockey league is worthy of a first round pick and which one is not. And there's a lot of moves from the outside. I think the past couple of years that the golden Knights have made, like, you know, I still remember the two of us chatting when they acquired Alec Martinez and being a little dubious as to, you know, whether that was going to work and whether he was, you know, potentially kind of on the decline at age, you know, would have been like 32, 33 at the time. And well, that ended up working out tremendously. So I think there's a fine line between having a voice like Bill Foley that, you know, understands maybe the concerns of fans and the outside pressure and taking steps to correct that versus leaving your hockey people who for the most part through uh, five seasons have proved to be very smart and adept hockey people and kind of letting them just do their work, not unsupervised, but being hands off and letting them kind of run the show. Uh, So that lengthy preamble aside, what do you think about Bill Foley potentially getting more involved here, Dave? Is it that ultimately going to be a good thing for the Golden Knights next season? I think it depends on the level of involvement. I think sort of what you're describing, like, you know, I I don't expect him to be, you know, running down on the draft floor and saying, you know, we're taking the kid from Erie over the kid from Moose Jaw. I'm tired of these WHL kids or something, you know, like I'm not expecting him to start, you know, doing that. I don't think he's going to start, you know, making a wish list of free agents specifically and, you know, going after like third line wingers and things like, you know, like, but I think he's got maybe some general things that he would like done. I think maybe there's some overarching things, maybe like on the goaltending position, you know, that maybe he would like to see. I Maybe this comes, you know, into like the coach. Um, we, we, you know, we're going to talk about that, you know, here in a second. I, I think it's a little bit more general ideas that that he has um you know i i could envision to be quite frank if if i'm gonna be like blunt about this and, and really try to guess you know maybe there's one or two players on the roster that he says you know look if we're cap constrained you know i'm good i would like this player maybe to be sacrificed or this player instead of you know the favorites that you guys you guys being george McPhee and kelly mccrimmon seem to keep trading you know I mean, maybe maybe it goes so far as to say, you know, Bill Foley puts his foot down and and says, you get something done with Riley Smith. You know, I don't care what it takes. You get something done with him. Um, you know, like maybe it's stuff like that. Uh, 
you know, yes, you worry like the Jerry Jones level of involvement, you know, the, you know, are you Mark Cuban? Like where, when you're a hands-on owner like that, when you're a visible owner like that, you you always wonder, you know, how meddling are they going to be? I think a lot of this is just goes back to sort of, you know, Bill Foley's impatience, the playoffs in three cup and six, we're coming up on, you know, year six now. And I, I think Bill Foley's, you know, what he sort of said this in, in the quote that you, I think you read, you know, it's, it's been five years. He's done his learning and, and he's watched and, and listened. And now he's got some ideas on, on how things, you know, should be done. So we'll see. I, I mean, obviously he was, you know, on the record, pretty explicit about Kelly McCrimmon coming back. But I do think there's going to be some conversations, and I do think that's, you know, going to be a collaborative effort, probably where where Bill Foley's, you know, maybe saying, you know, hey, one, two, and three, you know, this is this is the top of the list, and you know, go get cracking. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially because Foley kind of pointed out he wants to be a lot more uh, deliberate this off season. You know, I think he used the phrase, you know, we don't want to be. Uh, you know, ready, aim, fire anymore. They, you know, we want to kind of aim a little bit more, kind of take our time, be a little bit more prudent. And ultimately, uh, you know, whether it winds up being a good thing or not, he is the guy that uh, writes the checks. So he does get to kind of be the final decision maker here. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it plays out as we head into the offseason, obviously, in terms of, you know, whatever roster moves that the Knights will have to make to potentially get salary cap compliant won't come for a while while other teams, you know, get through the postseason. Oh, yes, he's saying they're going to be ready aim fire, not ready fire aim as how he put it. So, yeah, a little bit more uh, patience. And uh, as you you know pointed out uh, to segue, we'll see how that translates to coach because we have Bill Foley on the record that the general manager is returning. We don't have anything yet. As to the fate of Pete DeBoer, uh, he was expected to meet with Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee last week. Um, we still haven't had anything official come out, you know, whether Pete DeBoer is staying or is not staying. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on the timing of this, Dave. On the one hand, as we said, they were pretty explicit at their exit interviews that, hey, we've got this meeting Uh you know, this week, as in like now, that is last week and nothing has come out. Uh, on the other hand, there is not necessarily any necessarily anything forcing them to come out and make a decision. There haven't been any new coach hirings uh, yet. We've actually had an additional firing where Barry Trotz got fired by the New York Islanders on Monday. And what was a really surprising move. There are some other coaches also in limbo, kind of Chicago interim coach. Derek King is waiting to see what's going to happen with him. Bob Bugner in San Jose is kind of waiting around twiddling his thumbs because the Sharks need to hire a new general manager. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux and Vancouver uh, are in a little bit of a staring contest right now because I think uh, their new president of hockey operations, Jim Rutherford, just said, like, look, Bruce had a good run here since being hired midseason, but we're not giving him an extension, which I'm sure Bruce would like. So they, you know, have kind of an unresolved situation. Uh, So it's not like the Knights are the, you know, only ones kind of in this spot, but, you know, at the same time, are, are you surprised we don't have kind of 
an answer one way or the other yet? Not entirely. I mean, I think like you said, there's not anything really forcing the issue except for maybe that Pete DeBoer is entering the last year of his contract. So if there's, you know, discussions on an extension, if they don't want him sort of coaching as a lame duck, and if he doesn't want to coach as a lame duck and they can't work something out, you know, then, then maybe that would be the one thing that they could, you know, maybe sort of spin it as, or, you know, use as one of the reasons for why they would fire him. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think if you're the Golden Knights and, you know, George McPhee talked about this a little bit um, on that Bob McCown podcast and Cal McCrimmon uh, talked about this too. It's just sort of the, the length of the process that, you know, there's, there's several meetings. They meet with, you know, the players first, you meet with the coaches, you meet with the analytics department, you have, you know, meetings with coaches again. Apparently, obviously, they're going to meet with the owner. So, like, you know, none of this happens just, like, all in an afternoon. It's not like they're just, like, heading out to Olive Garden or something like that and sitting down over breadsticks and everything gets worked out over, you know, you know, a quick little lunch. Like, you know, this stuff takes a little bit more time. So, in terms of, like, am I surprised, you know, have we, you know, should we have a resolution? I mean, I guess maybe not. I, I think, you know, if you're going to do anything and you knew right away to – to use the Kelly McCrimmon analogy, which I thought was great. Like if you've thought about this in advance and you make a decision before the Zamboni's even off the ice, then yeah, you know, maybe you could have done it after that first Monday or something, you know, like that black Monday, you know, whatever, or you could have done it earlier. You could have pulled the trigger the way, you know, the Islanders did, you know, with Barry Trotz, but you know, obviously the Golden Knights are going to take their time. They're going to go through a little bit of a process. And to be quite frank, I think they're going to look and see, you know, what filters out and who's available. And if there's somebody that they think is better and can get this team over the hump, you know, that Pete DeBoer hasn't been able to, you know, then maybe that factors into this, to the decision. And, you know, maybe that's what's going on behind the scenes right now. And, and is all part of the process. You know, we don't really know that. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously we talk about, you know, kind of the surprise Barry Trotz firing on Monday. I mean, then maybe that changes, obviously. The equation for the Knights, that's a guy that's kind of in the perennial Jack Adams conversation. He obviously won a Stanley Cup at T-Mobile Arena against the Knights when he was with with the Washington Capitals and then brought the New York Islanders to -to back-to-back semifinal appearances, uh, just like the Knights the previous two seasons, and then they were out of the playoffs. This year, now he's out of a job, but he's obviously very well regarded in the NHL. Uh, Boudreaux, who I mentioned earlier, if somehow he and the Canucks can't come to kind of an agreement where he sticks around. He's worked with George McPhee in the past in Washington, and he's got one of the best, you know, points percentage just in regular season NHL history. So I do think that could make some sense where they're waiting for that kind of things to sort themselves out a little bit. And Pete DeBoer, um, you mentioned whether he wants an extension or not, Dave. I mean, you kind of asked him that at exit meetings, and he was pretty, I wouldn't say emphatic, but he was kind of just like, look, like, I'm not really worried about that. At this point, you know, I've coached uh, you know, 14 years in the NHL. What I'm more concerned about now at this stage of my career is having a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I think I can do that here. So maybe having that out there on the record gives, you know, the Knights a little security that they feel like they don't necessarily have to, you know, negotiate against themselves or lay down an offer on the table 
for him right away. They can see if, you know, there's, like you said, maybe something else they prefer out there. If not, they know that obviously Pete DeBoer, I think we would both agree, is not a bad coach. Obviously, there can be some debate and discussion about whether he is the right coach for this team or specifically the right coach to get this team to the Stanley Cup, but just in a vacuum in the NHL. It is not a bad option, so they probably feel pretty secure with that, potentially, at the worst-case scenario, in their uh, back pocket. So we'll wait to see if we get a resolution on that at some point, maybe next week or some point in the future. Uh, In terms of other news that has happened since we last talked, uh, Dave just mentioned yeah the Bob McCown podcast with uh, Bob McCown and John Shannon. They interviewed uh, George McPhee. This week, a rare kind of public interview with uh, the Nets president of hockey operations. One of the other things he said, besides the fact that they've got a lot of meetings still to go through, uh, is the fact that Jack Eichel was actually playing through a broken thumb the last six weeks or so of the regular season uh, for people uh, that don't necessarily remember. Uh, Eichel suffered what at the time was just like an upper body injury March 17th against Florida. Now, clearly, we know he broke his thumb. Uh, McPhee said it was not, you know, it was a non-displaced broken finger. So it wasn't one that was so bad. It required surgery. But still, he's like, I don't know how he played through that. And Eichel ended up not missing a game the entire rest of the regular season. So that's an interesting note to come out of uh, that podcast. Uh, Another injury update, Robin Leonard did have his shoulder surgery, which was scheduled uh, for last Wednesday. And the uh, Knights described it as successful. Still no timeline for when Leonard might be available uh, to play next season. Um, And then finally, news and notes, uh, draft lottery. That was yesterday. And for only the second time in their history, the Knights had a reason to tune in to see what was going to happen, uh, except the fact that their odds were so low that Kelly McCrimmon himself actually didn't even uh, hop on the uh, video call to represent the Knights. Derek England did instead. Uh, England was the only non-GM uh, or interim GM representing his team uh, at the draft lottery. Uh, the Knights only had a 0.5% chance of winning the first of the two lottery draws. They had a 1.1% chance overall of uh, moving up. In the draft, either the sixth or seventh overall pick, which would allow them to keep that selection. Instead, they stayed put at 16, which means that first round pick is going to Buffalo because the Knights pick this year was top 10 protected uh, as part of the Jack Eichel trade. So because that pick is not a top 10 selection, it is 16th overall. It is going to Buffalo. Uh, Not, you know, unexpected, Dave. And now the Knights aren't going to pick till 40th overall this year. you know, do you think the Knights are upset at all about losing this year's pick compared to next year where it's supposed to be a better draft? But obviously next year they hope to be later in the draft anyway. But I'm guessing I don't think how this was going to go one way or the other necessarily impacted their plans too, too much. Because even if they somehow snuck into, you know, lucked into a top, you know, six or top seven pick, I still don't imagine they were likely going to wind up using that pick. I think they were probably going to look at that as an asset to move anyway. And it was probably a long shot that they were going to have it in their war chest uh, at any point this season. I don't think they were, you know, really counting on it from that standpoint. I mean, I guess 
put it this way. I think if you had a chance to move into the top 10, you know, potentially what, all the way up to six, right? That was as high as they could go. Yep. Then, you know, then, yeah, you want to, you want to take it. Like, I, because like you mentioned in, in theory, in their minds, they're never going to have a chance like that again, because they're always going to be picking at the end of the draft or they're going to be dealing their picks or whatever, you know? So like, when are they ever going to have a chance to get, you know, a player who's like six or seven. And then here's the other thing too, like, just because, I mean, it never happens. Nobody ever trades and like moves up in the NHL draft, but if anybody was ever going to do it, it'd be the Knights, you know, like if they won the lottery, let's just like play fun with this. Like if they won the lottery, if they had moved up to six, you know, what if they got really creative, you know, what if somebody doesn't like Shane, Wright? Maybe they want to go all the way up to number one, you know, what if everything Bill Foley said is, you know, you know, whatever. And it's like, as soon as they, they get the bells and whistles and like the, their eyes get big, you know, like maybe they, the, um, the kid, I, 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 so I apologize. I don't know if he's from, um, Chechia or if he's from like Slovakia, Slovenia, like that Swaflowski kid though, the one who tore up, uh, the Olympics. Like, what if they like, what if they said that's the next Yarmir Yager? And they're like, we're going to go up to wherever we need to go up to get that kid, you know, because when are we ever going to get a chance to to do that again? Like, it could have been fun. It could have been crazy. Like, it could have been so goofy just because I don't think as much as Bill Foley says, I don't think this franchise can resist. You know, they got up to six or something like that. They would just, you know, they're going to jump all over anything and, you know, have another chance at you know, almost like a Cody Glass do over if we're really going to like go there. So I don't think they're like upset. I don't think it ruins any of their plans, but I definitely think if they had won it, that, that they would have been like, you know, kind of doing that thing with their hands and kind of going, mm, okay, all right, let's see what we can do now. Yeah. Playing with house money at that point, but uh, yeah. it was not, it was not meant to be, like I said, their first pick is now a uh, 48th overall. Uh, in the second round, uh, this is uh, one of many drafts in which the Knights either do not have a first round pick. It'll be the second one. They straight up do not have a first round pick. And it will be uh, one of many first round assets they have traded away over the years because, of course, there are three first round picks in their inaugural draft. Cody Glass, Eric Brandstrom, Nick Suzuki, all involved in trades. Their 2019 first round pick, Peyton Krebs, traded away 2018 first round pick. Uh, traded away before they made it to get Tomas Tatar. Um, they still do have their uh, 2020 and 2021 first round picks. Those are Brennan Brisson and Zach Dean. And now this 2022 first round pick has also been moved. So be a long wait for the Knights at the draft in Montreal. At least be fun for the home team, the Canadians, to get the first overall pick. That'll be spicy. But like I said, we'll... Wait to see what the Knights ultimately decide to do there. We'll wait to see what they ultimately decide to do uh, with their coach, and we'll see what else comes out of uh, this offseason as it keeps on spinning for them while the playoffs still rage on uh, outside the walls of T-Mobile Arena. Uh, They should have brought Stanley the Rooster. That could have been a good look, Charm. I was hoping, you know, I was wondering if they, they brought in Derek England to change the mojo, but didn't end up happening. Uh, for them well uh, Dave thank you so much for hopping back on 
and doing this. We really appreciate it. That's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder, we are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Uh, We are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all the stories we kind of talked about here and many more at ReviewJournal.com. We still have more coming at you guys in the coming days. We are also presented by Blue Wire. And if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That's still David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.